WBNE. Hello and welcome to episode 28, all about Flotsam and Jetsam. Chapter 9, Book 3 of The Two Towers, being the 28th part of That's What I'm Talking About. My name is Mary Clay. If that's too complicated for you, just call me MC. And today I'm joined once again by Valerie Winters of Hello from Elsewhere. Welcome back. Hi, thanks for having me back. Yes, I'm very excited to have you on because now you are a part of the WB&E network. It's like official. We're not just friends anymore. We're like family at this point. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. It's really fun having like, because it really, we joked a lot that I was an only child, but it really did feel like I was an only child. And now I have all these <laughs> siblings. I don't know. It's kind of confusing, but like, it's it's really fun. And when Ethan and Tyler said that they were bringing Hello from Elsewhere onto the network, I was like, oh, yes, yes. I, I thought about <laughs> telling you guys that you should reach out to them. And then I was like, nah, I don't want to get in your way you guys have a vision i'm not gonna tell you what to do but i'm so glad they they did what i told them to do <laughs> telepathically it was that only child thing we could like sense yeah, each yeah, other's thoughts so. there you know well we are uh discussing chapter nine i always forget what chapter number it is flotsam and jetsam which i famously thought were not real words until i was 24 years old a couple months ago, I learned that they were real words. <laughs> well, when you're raised on Little Mermaid, and they're just, That's the they're thing the is, eels, right? <laughs> I haven't even ever seen The Little Mermaid. Like, I've seen bits You've and pieces, it. but okay. it was always the movie that, like, my friends wanted to watch, and I'd be like, ew, no, The Little Mermaid sucks. I hate The Little Mermaid. <laughs> and I think it's just because Ariel sang a lot, and I didn't like that. <laughs> so, you know, I watched it when I was babysitting other people's kids, because my mom didn't like Ursula. She thought she was like too creepy, weird, sea witch style. She is kind of scary. So She is very scary. So I can understand that from a parent's perspective now. But yeah, she was like, so we never saw it unless I was like at a friend's house. So I loved (laughs) watching it because it was like contraband, you know, like (laughs) Little Mermaid. Yeah. Oh, I remember doing that um, with like the Captain Underpants books. Because oh, my yes. mom would never let me read them. You know, she she was like, they're dumb books. They're it's like, oh, it's just right, stupid. Yeah. It's going to be like stupid potty humor or whatever. <laughs> and so I would go over to my friend's houses. They'd be like, so what do you want to do? And I'd be like, oh, is that a Captain Underpants book you have on your bookshelf? Um, I'm going to be in here and I'm going to read that for a bit. <laughs> <laughs> like you, you start playing without me. I'll just hang out. It's yeah, fine. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'll read just be in here. Don't, don't mind me. Um, well, this is not Captain Underpants, although that would be a fun podcast. Maybe I'll add that to the list of things I should do after I finish Lord of the Rings. But yes, Flotsam and Jetsam. <laughs> oh, that's I remember I was going to Google search. What are the official definitions of Flotsam Oh, you and know, what? I have them right here if you want. Perfect. Of course, because Valerie <laughs> came prepared, unlike me, the host of this show. I hope you know that you don't at all have to do any research to come on this show. It's totally fine to come unprepared as my only requirement is that you read the chapter that we're talking about, which you did. So the fact that you wanted to do extra research is is awesome. No, I think being like a research librarian is like my dream job. So this is fun for me. This is like my ultimate nerdy quality is that if you give me a topic, I will research for a long time. (laughs) But yeah, so flotsam is like the wreckage from a ship. 
Uh, so anything like floating in the water, mostly, you know, mostly wood, I would assume, because everything else will sink, yeah. right? And then, <laughs> and Makes then sense. jetsam is cargo or equipment that's thrown overboard to lighten the ship's load. Like if there's for some what reason they need to specific you know. piece of terminology. I know, right? For like, we have a specific, we have a word for the things <laughs> that you throw overboard to lighten a ship. That's that's yep. so. The English if language, man. I don't even know. If you're like outrunning pirates, when do you need to lighten your ship? You I know. Gotta... Yeah, that's. I have to imagine that the only times Flotsam and Jetsam has been used outside of The Little Mermaid and this chapter is in reference to pirates. Like it's <laughs> got to right. be. It's got to be that's pirate terminology. True. Yes. Well, and then we also see. I was trying. I was thinking about like, okay, well, what's is it like metaphorical flotsam and jetsam in this chapter? Is it real? And I, I was trying to think about like, well, what is the flotsam and jetsam? And I guess it's just like the ruin and the wreckage of where are they, Isengard, and the the smoke and and sludge and everything that they wash out of Isengard. Kind of also symbolically showing that like we're washing out the evil because we're here and we're taking over Saruman. So, but I'm getting ahead of myself. I think it's. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, I think it's definitely uh, symbolical and literal because you've got the treasures that they find in the you know floating in the water and and coming up from the you know the storage rooms and things. So I think there's a little bit of both because yeah, like you said, it's definitely metaphorical as well like they are washing out Isengard well we so where we last left off our heroes I always feel like I'm starting a like the beginning of like an epic radio program where it's like our heroes were last (laughs) seen (laughs) our heroes were last seen sitting on the steps of Isengard eating and smoking classic Merry and Pippin Gandalf and Theoden have gone off to I guess the tower or no they've gone off to talk to Treebeard first and then I guess they'll go try and talk to Saruman in his tower or something and then Aragorn and co sit down with Merry and Pippin and have a little chat about everything that's been happening and kind of catch each other up and this is a point where I kind of wish that we hadn't had those two chapters I think it was chapter three and four that show what Merry and Pippin are doing. I kind of wish that this was the first time since they had been taken that we saw them because it would have been such a triumphant return of like, (laughs) oh my gosh, they're totally fine. They're sitting there eating, they're smoking, they're with the ants, it's all good. And then like we could flash back now to see what happens in the tree beard chapter because they pretty much just retell, do a quick retelling of things that we already know which I'm not a huge fan of, but... A little bit, but then they also tell what happens to Isengard. Yeah, that's that's what I really wish we had had a full chapter on. Instead of the chapter of Ro- Road to Isengard, I wish it was just like showing what was happening in the moment rather than Merry and Pippin retelling it. I think it's kind of fun coming from their perspective, though, because, I don't know, the Ents aren't exactly very chatty, and so yeah. I think seeing Merry and Pippin tell it is a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Um, and I also like that it's a fun way for the the company to regroup and be like, our friends, like, you're here and, and tell us what you've been up to and what did we miss? Yeah, we were talking before we officially started the episode, I think. That was before. I don't remember. Well, listeners, if you're hearing this again, I was saying that I enjoyed this chapter <laughs> and I couldn't quite figure out why until I realized it was because, like, everyone's back together. I mean, minus Frodo and Sam, but who cares about them anyway? Just the main ki- <laughs> main protagonists of the story. I mean, whatever. Yeah, you know. 
They're on a different journey. The majority of the gang is back together and they're just hanging out. They're eating. They're, you know, smoking. They're just chilling and, and talking. And it's peaceful for a moment where there's not any fighting. And it's it's the kind of thing that like when you're watching a really... So like thinking about like the Marvel universe, I feel like everyone would love to just have, I don't know, maybe 10 minutes where you just see everyone... Sitting around, hanging out, <laughs> eating shawarma. Eating shawarma, that's what I was going to say. Or like yeah. the scene in um in Age of Ultron where they're trying to lift the hammer. Thor's hammer. Like that's a fun scene just because everyone's hanging yes. out and having a good time. No one's just having a... Gentle moments. Yeah, yeah, no one's going after infinity stones. There are no evil aliens. It's just a good time. It gives them a chance to build relationships with each other outside of saving the world. Yes, yeah. I agree. And then also kind of gives us the viewer slash reader a chance, like a chance for for calm before things ramp up again. Because I'm assuming they will, because we are nearing the end of book three. So I'm hoping there will be some big epic finale for the first half before we jump over to Frodo and Sam's situation, whatever. It's so funny to think about, like literally just occurred to me, Sam and Frodo are doing Lord knows what right now. And I have zero <laughs> idea what they're up to. And so it will it will be interesting as much as I've been making fun of like, oh, it's going to be the worst part of this series. It, it will be interesting to see like, well, what are these two hobbits up to these days? Yes, I will like the Two Towers is my favorite of the Lord of the Rings books, but specifically the first half of Two Towers because yeah. I like you. I love the <laughs> I love the group. So I feel like you might have a bit of a slog through the second half, but there are definitely great. I've moments. heard that opinion a lot. That yeah. <laughs> a lot of people have said that, like, oh yeah, Two Towers is my favorite, specifically the first half. You might have a hard time with the second half, yeah. so <laughs> it, it must be just a universal opinion of the the fan. You know, at least yeah. you're meant. Mentally prepared at this point. Yeah. Well, and it seems like they've been gone for a long time, but I was surprised in this chapter when they're like doing oh the math gosh, and they're like, yes. oh, we've been apart for nine days. And I'm like, what? Nine so much has days. happened. Oh my gosh. Like a little over a week. It's insane. Yeah. yeah, it's insane. It's been it's been like 150 pages, I, I guess, worth of a book. Like that's a long time to be a part in a book. And then it's just yes. so crazy. Tolkien, man, he loves he knows how to stretch out those those hours and days. <laughs> well, the gang all gather together and uh, Legolas, Gimli and Aragorn ask if they have any human food because all their they're imagining that it's all orc food that's there because this is where Saruman has made his his breed of orcs and they talk later about how they saw the orcs running going off to marching off to battle and there were just orcs everywhere just so many orcs and they say that yes we we have found actually a lot of great food and we found barrels of weed which Kind of leaves a little mystery at the end of the chapter, which I'll I'll talk about when we get there. But anyway, there's this one po uh, one point where it says Saruman kept enough wisdom not to trust his orcs, and I thought that was so. I, I said in the previous episode um, how Tolkien there was like one line of like a really kind of realistic thing that happens in real life war, and he does it again here too, where like that's a very 
kind of realistic thing for the manipulative, evil person, bad guy, whoever, to like not even to only trust himself and to not even trust his own minions Definitely. or I don't know, soldiers, I guess is the right word. Yep. Oh, yeah. So they <laughs> sorry, I read something in all caps. Yeah. So they go to this house that they have found and uh, Pippin has lit a fire and he says, uh, he says, yes, I Put a, I put a few faggots in there, and I, for a hot second, forgot that the word faggot is also like a bundle of sticks for kindling in wood. Right. And I just thought he was very casually saying that he was burning a couple gay people in the fire, and it caught me <laughs> by so much surprise. <laughs> and I was like, no, oh. definitely different, yeah. Dear Lord, <laughs> what happened here? Tolkien doesn't go that dark. Also, he... Probably didn't even know any gay people, so or at least that he knew of. Yeah, <laughs> so, you know. <laughs> I was thinking about that. I was like, he probably knew a few, but they wouldn't have been like out. Yeah, he probably time. knew. That's a good point. He probably knew some gay people. He just didn't know that he <laughs> knew gay people. Some of those professors were, you know it. Another question for the seance, for the Ouija yes. board session. I'm not actually going to do a Ouija board se- session. I'm way no, too terrified. No, I would to never. The only circumstances I would do a Ouija board session is if I was in a place other than my own living space, because I don't want to, like, invite spirits (laughs) into my... Yeah, yeah. (laughs) It's so funny to me, because... Oh, bless you. Thank you. I don't even really, like... I don't really believe in Ouija boards, but I also have no desire to uh, try yeah. that, like, at all. Like, I, See, I'm kind <laughs> I'm of in not the same fate. mindset yeah. of, like, I don't know if I fully believe that, like, Ouija boards work or that it could open a pathway or what. I don't know if I fully believe that, but I don't exactly think that that's something you should test out, you know? Exactly. It'd be like going Best into space alone. and being like... I don't know if I believe this whole there's no oxygen up here thing, but I'm not going <laughs> to take my helmet. Yeah, I'm not going to take my helmet off to test that theory. Like, that's a very dangerous way to test it. Uh, anyway, so they all sit down and have their meal. And I love the note. It says the three were soon busy with their meal and the two hobbits unabashed set to a second time we must keep our guests company they said i love that it's such a hobbit thing you're like obviously obviously we will be eating again with you yeah we can't just sit here and watch you eat that would be rude and then they go about telling their tale so they start with tree beer because they're asking like hey who's that guy that Gandalf went to go talk to. And I love that there's this continuity because in the Treebeard chapter, when Pippin, it, when it was trying to describe what Treebeard looked like and what his face and eyes looked like, it was the note that Pippin would later in his life have difficulty describing them. And then we see that here where he says, but their eyes now, their eyes are very odd. He tried a few fumbling words, then trailed off into silence. So uh, I just like that continuity that we see that happen there and kind of like a call back to that chapter too right they're pretty indescribable the ends are just a uh, magnificent creatures like where do you even start they're giant i don't know i would just I, I feel like i would just say like they're giant walking old man tree people <laughs> yeah that sounds accurate that's says, basically true. Says the person who's never seen an ent, so I don't really know. Well, it's funny <laughs> that you say giant because the word ent in Anglo-Saxon, it means, it's like an old Anglo-Saxon word meaning a giant or a mighty person of long ago. Oh, more of so, that research coming in. 
I know. So I Tolkien was definitely pulling some of his, you know, love of, you know, etymology there into, into yeah. naming them. I like how sometimes he does that really subtly and he does it really well. Because yeah. we've seen the opposite in like Harry Potter where she does it very obviously. <laughs> where it's like, Remus it's Lupin is the, yeah. <laughs> like Lupin in Latin means, doesn't it mean like wolf or something? Or it's like derivative of lupus, which means wolf. And then Lupin means wolf in French. And Remus is, um, there was Romulus and Remus yeah. who built Rome and they were, were raised, they raised by, by wolves. Wolf. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So anyway, but yeah, Tolkien does it a lot better. <laughs> Yes. Oh, yeah. He's got it to an art. This is true. And I love that he mentioned when I was doing my research, Tolkien said, here's a quote from me. He says, as usually with me, they grew rather out of their names than the other way about. I always felt that something ought to be done about the peculiar Anglo-Saxon word ent for a giant or mighty person of long ago to whom all old works are ascribed. So the idea that he loved naming things so much, he loved the names And then their story kind of came Mm -hmm. after the fact. That's really cool. Yeah. I don't know if I could just look at a word and and say like, oh, well, obviously it's a giant tree person. Uh, (laughs) You know, I don't know if I could if I could look at a word and think about its origin and and craft the story from there. Yeah, he definitely had his background in linguistics. So I'm sure (laughs) that is definitely an interest of his. It helped him a lot. Mm -hmm. It was funny preparing for this episode because... Casey and I on Hello from Elsewhere, we just did an episode about names and their meanings in Star Wars. Right, yeah. And we're doing a part two on names in Lord of the Rings and Harry Potter. Oh, cool. Um, So that'll come out the Friday after this one comes out, I believe. So listener, if you're listening to this the day or the week that this episode comes out, make sure to be on the lookout for that episode of Hello from Elsewhere. That's really cool. Absolutely. I can't so wait it was for that. fun because a lot of my research was like, you know, worked both ways. I was like, sweet, I've got more Perfect. stuff to talk about Lord of the Rings <laughs> and names. Perfect. So before they start, uh, Gimli kind of says like, oh, well, hang on. We're, we're starting in the middle here. Let's backtrack and start at the beginning. A very good place to start. Uh, Mary says, oh, let's let's smoke some first because they have this really special pipe weed that they found. Oh, and also I like this. It says, and um, then for a little while, we can pretend that we are all back safe at Bree again or in Rivendell. So going back to what we were talking about, how it's just they they also want to just sit there and pretend like everything is all right. I know. Just for a minute, a minute of peace, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Just a little bit. And Gimli says that he doesn't have a pipe. And I love <laughs> this <laughs> this is my if favorite it's like oh well funny you mention it and he just pulls out like a stat a secret like stash of pipes that he's kept with him on this journey <laughs> like we saw sam packing when they were leaving rivendell and he was like oh i need a little bit of this and rope and blah but pippin pippin was like i better bring some extra pipes just in case <laughs> The important stuff, this is my favorite line. He says, I keep a treasure or two near my skin as precious as rings to me. Yeah. Like the comparison between, you know, Frodo holds on to the ring really closely, but these pipes are like my personal ring. Like they are my precious. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I was like, that's an interesting choice of words there, Pippin. I'm not sure I would have said as precious as rings when all of this is happening because of like evil (laughs) rings. So, but okay. (laughs) I love that there's this idea that they're each carrying something at this point. Frodo's got the ring. Um, I think it'll come up in the second half of this book. Sam has been like carrying 
I think it's in the book. Maybe it's just a movie thing. He's been like carrying these spices all the way from Hobbit to nice. Like, <laughs> and hey, then you gotta have got, some good tasting food you know, while you're on the journey. A little seasoning goes a long way. And oh, and Gimli now has the lock of Galadriel's hair. Like they right. all have their little treasures that they just <laughs> hold on to and carry for a long time. Pippin even says here, "I've carried it a long way, though I don't know why. I never really <laughs> expected to find any pipe weed on the journey when my own ran out." <laughs> I love that. I love that he's even like, "Yeah, I don't know why I have it, just cause, just, just like, couldn't you know, let it go, just in yeah. case." <laughs> they were just that important. Oh, so good, so good. Hey there, it's Editing Mary Clay jumping in to say that the next part of the conversation has been cut to be a part of this week's 11sies. What are 11sies, you ask? Why, it's the $10 tier on Patreon, patreon.com slash TolkienAboutPod, where you can get bonus content such as really interesting conversations about pipeweed, actually. Valerie did a lot of really cool research. I know it doesn't sound like it because it's about pipeweed, but it was actually really cool. And delved into the history of like the 60s and 70s and hippie culture and how they really latched on to Lord of the Rings and how pipe weed and you know weed was actually a part of that and it was actually really interesting so you know if you want to hear that conversation go to patreon so you can get access to it oh yeah so this is when they (laughs) are counting to figure out like okay what's happened since you were taken and pippin's thinking back and he goes oh yeah it's only been nine days since we were caught and then there's a little asterisk at the bottom for a note that says every month in the shire calendar has 30 days and I was like, okay, that's, Pretty I guess close. that's good information, but like that doesn't really have anything to do with why it was nine days ago that they were caught. I don't know. I just thought that was weird. I guess that's that, like, true because they say the 5th of March. So I think he's like counting and back yeah, through the month. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it is interesting that they have such similar calendars, but also you're like, okay, I don't really need yeah. that piece of information. You could just say nine days ago, Tolkien. <laughs> yeah, thanks, Tolkien. Yeah, <laughs> thanks, Tolkien. He's like me with the research. He's like, this is important. Oh, yeah. I just write in all caps. <laughs> it's only been nine days. Good. That's what gosh. I thought. I was like, Holy so cow. much can happen in nine days. I know. Oh my gosh. Then uh, Aragorn passes back to Merry and Pippin the things that they had found when they were tracking them, when they had been taken by the orcs. And so he gives them back their, I think it was Pippin's brooch that he dropped. And then they also had some knives. So they get their stuff back. See, Aragorn's carrying a few more important things in his pockets than Pipe. He's like, yeah. here's, some, here's some, you know, knives and your brooch. A and, really valuable, yeah. like, elf brooch that goes with your elf cloak. I know. He's also carrying the Star of Elendil at this point. So, you know. He's holding on to the important stuff. He's definitely the Boy Scout of... (laughs) He's the ranger. He's like, yeah, he's like, okay, you have five pipes with you. Cool. You have a girl's lock of hair. Great. I will carry the important things that we will probably need at some point. (laughs) It's like, I've got you covered. It's fine. Plus all of his skills. Yeah. I was really surprised that they just passed over Boromir's death because I really... People have been telling me since he died... That like, oh, you're going to learn more about his death later that's going to really like play into his redemption arc and add to his character more and blah. blah. And I thought this was going to be that point where we ha- we see Pippin and Mary 
because they were there, I believe, when Boromir died, or at least when he was getting attacked or something. Maybe they had been taken off by that point. I don't know. But I thought that they were going to go into the details of like how it happened, and it was going to be some very noble, valiant fight, and that would really add to it. So I was really surprised that they just kind of like passed over it here. They're like, oh, yeah, that was really sad, wasn't it? I feel like you do remember, or you do learn more about his life once you meet his father later once they you know i won't say anything else but also (laughs) people might just be playing up the movie version because the movie makes him way more valiant of a death i think oh i'm sure it is kind of yeah we don't yeah we don't see his death in the books all you see is the aftermath is because in the movies that's right at the end of the first movie and you see it so then the Hobbs start talking about the ints and how they ran into them and they went to int mood and all this stuff and they uh pippin said he recites or sings the chant that the ints were saying and he says it was very exciting but i thought it was only marching music and no more just a song until i got here i know better now and i thought that was really interesting because it kind of goes back with the ints and how how they perceive language and they only do like they only do things or they only say things if they really truly mean them and it's it's the same case with their mar- marching song it says Though Isengard be strong and hard, as cold as stone and bare as bone, we go, we go, we go to war to hew the stone and break the door. And they literally break the stones and doors down. They are, they're not metaphorical people at no, all. They, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. And Isengard is known for having like a big stone wall, like the ring of Isengard that goes all the way around it. And it kind of comes up to like a mountain on one side um so like on the north end you've got like a river that comes through uh i think it's called you know so it like runs in but there's like no way in or out there except for the river that comes in so then on the south side there's just a big gate and the river there and so yeah that um that door that they talk about there's just like one way into isengard and they are going to break down the door yeah, they mean business. Yeah. <laughs> it's a good thing that they're on their side now. <laughs> Absolutely. And then they talk about the Kjorns. I don't know. H-U-Horns. I looked this Hu-orns. up. Okay. Yeah, so you. apparently in Elvish, the U always says ooh. It says who. It says ooh. Okay. Yeah. So they are Hu-Horns. Um, okay. It never yeah. says So you. my understanding is that these were the creepy trees from the beginning of the previous chapter when they're leaving Helmsteep and they're talking about the creepy forest and they're unnerved and then they get out of the woods and Legolas is like, oh, the tree, the woods have eyes. And Gandalf says, oh, don't worry. Those are the ants. Those are our friends. And so this is kind of that explanation to the horns. Who, who, I can't say that. No, it's like, <laughs> horns. I, I was like, I'm going to remember this because the owl says who and lives in a tree. That's why I told See, I'm, I'm thinking, I think I'm psyching myself out because it just reminds me of, of the Grinch and the Who's and oh, Whoville right. and everything. So I'm like, oh yeah, the horns sounds like something from How the Grinch Stole Christmas. Like they're fugal horns that they play yeah yeah so the who horns it says i think they are ints that have become almost like trees at least to look at 
They stand here and there in the wood or under its eaves, silent, watching endlessly over the trees. But deep in the darkest dales, there are hundreds and hundreds of them, I believe. And then later on, it says, but they've become queer and wild, dangerous. I should be terrified of meeting them. Yeah. Yeah. So in Elvish, the word huorn means talking tree, which is fun. So they can communicate. They can talk with the Ents, but they... They're not like the Ents. They're not going to speak to anyone else. Like they, you know, they're not quite as alive as the Ents are, it seems. Yeah, that's what I was kind they're of... They're somewhere in between a tree and an Ent. Yeah, I was, I was confused about because the way that they spoke about them in the previous chapter made it feel like, oh, these are like, these are bad trees or like, oh, these are Ents that Saruman has bewitched or something, you know, something like that where, oh, these are not on our side, but they are... And it also talks about how they the have still like, seem to have power over them or influence yeah, over them. They yeah still agree with the ends. And I loved there was a letter from Tolkien, so a newspaper in England, the Daily Telegraph. Um, a newspaper mentioned about a forest, and they called it. It was kind of a in the newspaper they said it's kind of a Tolkien gloom to describe the forest. <laughs> and Tolkien takes like great offense to this, like. <laughs> Oh, I'm sure. Like, you can't ascribe my name to Gloom as, like, being the same. And uh, he mentions that the trees, and I love this, um, he says that in all my works, I take the part of the trees against all their enemies. He says Lothlorien is beautiful because there are trees, because there the trees were loved. Elsewhere, forests are represented as awakening to a consciousness of themselves. The old forest was hostile to two-legged creatures because of the memory of many injuries. Fangorn Forest was old and beautiful, but at the time of the story, tense with hostility because it was threatened by a machine-loving enemy. Um, so that's talking about Saruman and his machines mm-hmm. that are, and of course the orcs that have been like cutting down the trees. Yeah, it mentions that the Huorns have like personal beef with the orcs. Yes. Because they've been, I guess, kind of terrorizing these part of the woods. And so I just love that description of yeah. the forest. It's like animals, you know, you meet a mean dog, it's usually because they have a mean owner. Or something, mm-hmm. you know, like the forests are like that too. Like if they're well taken care of, then they thrive and they're beautiful. But if you mistreat them, then they're dark and looming. Yeah. I can definitely see why the hippies uh, latched Love. on to Lord of the Rings. Because <laughs> <laughs> that's also a huge like message of like, oh, no, the man is destroying Mother destroying Nature. Woods, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yep. And Tolkien so himself, he, the town that he grew up in, in England, um, there was a big mill that comes in and the same kind of things happened, um, like the Industrial Revolution when he was a kid and he really felt like it ruined his hometown um, and destroyed a lot of the, you know, the land around it. And so I think he definitely has a beef with that and he portrays Isengard as, you know, kind of like his hometown with the mill. Before Mm -hmm. Saruman took over Isengard, it was a beautiful place. It was like green and there were trees and and he destroys it. He really ruins the whole place. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Which, side note, when the Ents, you know, they're the Ents are put in charge of Isengard. And so the Ents actually help Isengard. This isn't something you learn in the books, um, but the Ents regrow Isengard and they name it Treegarth 
um, which I think is a great name. <laughs> and they make Sugar. it all green and beautiful again. So that's fun. There is yeah. hope. I love the idea that there's hope to rebuild as well, like to regrow. Yeah. Pippin and Mary start talking about when they arrived at Isengard. So they come up and they hear all these horns blaring. And at first they're like, oh, no, we've been seen. Ah. Been caught, and then yeah. they, yeah. And then, all these moving um, trees, somebody noticed. I know. That's what I cannot believe. I mean, they do say it's the middle of the night. So I guess, you know, it's dark. And they keep talking about how the Huorn kind of move in shadow or, yeah. or create so, their own shadow or something. Know. So, yeah, it's interesting. I just have to think that it's it's like in Macbeth where they don't realize that the woods of Dunsinane are moving towards them until they're because they... They're just kind of like, oh, huh, that's weird. The forest looks a lot closer than it was, you know, three hours ago. That's weird. And they don't realize it until it's like upon them. But anyway, so the horns and everything are sounding because all of Saruman's orcs and troops and everything are going out to Isengard. And it says, oh, yeah, I don't know much about this war or about the horsemen of Rohan, but Saruman seems to have meant to finish off the king and all his men with one one final blow. He emptied Isengard. So this is when I wrote down, did Saruman really not know that the Ents were coming to Isengard? Because you would have thought that he would have kept some orcs or something behind to guard him or battle for him or something. So clearly Saruman had like no idea that the Ents would be coming. And yeah. I... He completely miscounts them. Yeah. Like he or discounts yeah. them. He just doesn't uh, think about them at all. Like it doesn't even yeah, cross Yeah, later it says, and he made the great mistake of leaving them out of his calculation. So exactly. leaving them as the Ents. And it's once again, just that like villain trope and characteristic of underestimating people Their who enemy. you have either mm-hmm. yeah people who you have either disenfranchised yeah who you you're either like manipulating or you're hurting in some way or not thinking of people as coming after you if they're known to be like peaceful or because the ants are i don't know if peaceful is necessarily the right word but like they're not hasty i love that how many times they use the word hasty in yeah, this chapter they're not hasty that's it yeah like they like going off to war and fighting is not something that would they would do and saruman thought he could take advantage of that and be like oh i don't have to worry about those ants they never do anything but they are they're yeah. doing it now. <laughs> it goes back to the whole idea of yeah, nature versus the machine. And I just love, love this chapter so much. And I love this. It says, Treebeard put us down and went up to the gates and began hammering on the doors and calling for Saruman. So I just like that Treebeard walks up and just knocks on the door and is like, hey, Saruman, you want to come out? <laughs> <laughs> He's like, I'm calling you out, sir. Yep. <laughs> but I love when all the, right before that, when all the orcs go past and they mentioned that there was oh, probably about so, 10,000 of them and it so took an many. hour for them to walk past I was like an hour that's an insane amount of people to like yeah. file by oh also they were talking about that some of them looked like half orcs and ew gross <laughs> yeah um I'm guessing those Saruman's were like doing some real weird breeding creepy stuff going yeah, on yeah I was gonna say I'm Isengard. assuming that was like the first batch of breeding mm-hmm. that happened and then they also so they mentioned that there was a southerner in Bree who looked kind of like a half orc now that they're thinking about it. Right. Do you know who the southerner in Bree is? Because I can't he's remember. Some kind of, I can't remember. Who, he's some kind of informant. Yeah, who's like okay. keeping tabs on things around there. I mean, Saruman has his own eyes everywhere 
beyond just what Sauron is doing. He's he's kind of got his hand in things too, which I love yeah. the line because we were talking about villains and Aragorn says, it is difficult with these evil folk to know when they are in league and when they are cheating one another. Yeah. And it's like, yeah. So is he, yeah, he's got his own people around because he doesn't really trust Sauron. He just wants the power Sauron is giving him. They are all fighting for their own thing and there's nothing that unites them. So they have no, you know, there's no overarching moral power or anything that can bring them together and be like, oh, well, I may yeah. disagree with you, but I'm still going to fight on your side. They're and I'm not, not fighting betray for the you. same cause. They're just yeah. fighting for, well, I guess they are. They're just fighting for power, though, but they each want their own individual power. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I love that when everybody walks past, Treebeard kind of walks them, watches them walk past. And he says that, you know, my business is with Isengard tonight with rock and stone. Yeah. He's just stalwart. Treebeard is my favorite character in all of Lord of the Rings. And I love that he has made up his mind to defeat Isengard and he's going to do it. And especially now that um, that Saruman has had the hubris to empty out his entire guard, 10,000 yes. people. I mean, that might have been able to hold the orcs at bay, or not the orcs, but the Ents at bay, uh, 10,000 orcs. But now he's got very few people left yeah, behind. Yeah, there's nothing. And he's there's like, nothing. I'm a wizard. I don't need anybody <laughs> to protect me. <laughs> he's like, what I threat? can do it I all. am the threat. Yeah. yeah. And so he has, I just love that. And I, yeah, I love that. So yeah, when they break down the door that he runs off, like he just. <laughs> yeah. So we see the the power that the ints have. I love this line. I think Mary says, he says, a man that hacks once at an int never gets a chance of a second blow. Yes. So that was just a cool line. And then this is the description of them tearing down the doors and the walls and breaking them. An angry int is terrifying. Their fingers and their toes just freeze onto rock and they tear it up like bread crust. It was like watching the work of great tree roots in a hundred years all packed into a few moments they pushed pulled tore shook and hammered and clang bang crash crack in five minutes they had these huge gates just lying in ruin that's one of my favorite lines too that's where tolkien is amazing in his descriptions you're like yeah, yeah. these great He's tree ter- roots yeah I love, they're doing yeah. all this work in moments you know, yeah it's just fantastic. that would take regular that would take tree roots a hundred years to like rip up or crumble a sidewalk the ints are doing it in seconds and they yeah so then this is saruman it says i don't know what saruman thought was happening but anyway he did not know how to deal with it his wizardry may have been falling off lately of course but anyway i think he is not much grit not much plan, not much plain courage alone in a tight place without a lot of slaves and machines and things, if you know what I mean. Uh, and then it's a very <laughs> different from old Gandalf. So I love, I just love that like Saruman's a coward and he can only, he only knows how to defeat people or attack people when he has minions All of his lackeys and, and his machines yeah, to do it and, for him mm-hmm. also in my notebook i accidentally wrote down saruman is a cowherd instead of coward 
And then I scratched it out and reread it. So um, um, that is a perk on Patreon, by the way. If you join the That's What I'm Talking About Patreon for the 11Zs tier, you can get access to bonus content such as my weekly notes for each chapter. And you can see where I accidentally wrote that Saruman is a cowherd. It's fine. I know how to spell. (laughs) I was like halfway through writing it and I was like, that doesn't, that's not You're so good to share those. I want to see them because yeah, my notes are the same. I'm like, oh, let me scratch that out and so many misspellings the only reason i scratched it out and wrote correctly coward is because i know that i'm going to be uploading it to patreon <laughs> later i would have just left it cowherd and been like yeah i know what that means but it's actually told it's actually a saruman's like side hobby when he needs to relax he just goes out and yeah, herds the cows, some, yeah you know? just some cowherd just unwind yeah. really casual yeah. Uh, <laughs> I love that it says that when Treebeard got a few arrows in him, he began to warm up to get positively hasty, as he would say. Yes, <laughs> I love that. That like up until now he's just been a little he's, he's a he's a little angry, he's a mm-hmm. little, you know, peeved, but yes. It's when a bunch of arrows start hitting him that he's like, okay, now I mean business. Sar- they see Saruman running off and Quick Beam goes after him, but Saruman goes up into his tower and kind of hides himself in there and he goes up into Orthanc, or- Orthanc, I never know how to say it, Orthanc, Orthanc. Orth- Orthanc, okay. Um, he goes up, he goes into Orthanc to kind of protect himself. And it's like his fortress that for the rest of the chapter, he's just hiding up in there. So at first I was a little confused by the language of it. Cause I was like, wait, so does that mean that they've captured him and they're imprisoning him up there? Or is he hiding up there? And throughout the rest of the chapter, whenever they talk about him in, a, in the tower, it reminds me of like an angsty teenager hiding in his room and refusing to come out. <laughs> Basically. Because later when, spoiler alert, Wormtongue shows up and Wormtongue goes to the tower and Treebeard says like, oh, well, I know someone's up there because I saw a hand reach out and grab Wormtongue and bring him inside the tower. So I know someone's still there. So it just kind of made me laugh of like, well, I know he's still up there because I heard... Uh, you know, I saw the shadow moving underneath the door crack. So I know the angsty teenager is still up there. He's okay. He's alive. He's just being annoying right now. And <laughs> yeah, sulking. it starts out as him being hiding in his room and then him being trapped in his room, basically. Yeah. <laughs> like, he's like, I can't like, go well, out. Fine. There's so many ends. Like, they'd yeah. rip me to pieces. And then... Throughout this chapter of the Ents being at Isengard and kind of doing their own thing, there's a lot of Merry and Pippin every now and then being like, we didn't know what was going on. The Ents, there wasn't an Ent around to tell us what was happening. And when they did tell us what was happening, it wasn't a really good description. So we just kind of walked around and did our own thing. We looked for food. We did this and that. Some foraging (laughs) as hobbits do. And they find some good things. And yeah, they seem to have been left out of the major part of the battle yeah and just seeing what they can <laughs> they're just kind of sitting there spectating yeah so uh, there's this part where it says that when saruman was safe back in orthanc it was not long before he set some of his precious machinery to work so there are these great like they call them vents or shafts all over the land right and they start to spout and belch it says um and it says that several of the ents got scorched and blistered one of them beachbone i think he was called a very tall handsome ent 
got caught in a spray of some liquid fire and burned like a torch, a horrible sight. And that part, I think, is extra poignant because I was thinking about how Tolkien was in World War I. Um, and so then I fell down this pit because I was like, well, I believe the Germans, So, and I was right, the Germans created modern flamethrowers in World War One, And so, and one of the main, like the big battles, uh, the Battle of Somme, which uh, lasted four months, and that was the big battle that Tolkien was in, and where Tolkien lost two of his friends, and where the Germans have flamethrowers that can shoot up to 60 yards and can, like the flames can get into the cracks of the fortress, of like, you know, like um, the, you know, the little shelters and things that they've built, um, mm-hmm. you know, even if a bullet can't get through because it's like liquid that is going into these cracks. And not to mention just the psychological warfare of the idea of being burned alive is absolutely horrifying. Yeah. And so I think just reading that line, it hit me so much harder because I was like, this is like his own experience that he is drawing from. Like the idea of seeing somebody burned mm-hmm. alive and he says, you know, it was a horrible sight. Like it was just terrifying to think about what he lived through in that battle. Um, the Battle of Somme is still the deadliest battle in British army history. Wow. Yeah. I don't think I knew that. Wow. I it's it's just funny that you specifically talk about that battle because I was watching an episode of Peaky Blinders today and they specifically mentioned Did they that mention one. that? <laughs> yeah, they're like I fought in the Battle of Somme and I fought in the there was another battle that they mentioned. Anyway, just kind of I don't know, weird because I was like, "Hey, I I know that battle sort of only yeah. in context to Peaky Blinders. Yeah, I didn't know that much about it. Um, yeah, until my research. But yeah. Yeah, what Saruman is doing by... Yeah, so he releases all of these like... Because there are... My understanding is there are all these vents in Isengard. Yeah, And there's so he, deep pits where they've been breeding the orcs. And yeah. yeah. It truly is like, oh, modern warfare versus, mm-hmm. na- versus nature versus these trees. Uh, I just remember in like one of my classes, I had a class about, um, it was focused on like 1920s media and literature. And part of that had to do with like the aftermath of World War One. And one of the parts of the that people had to deal with after World War One is that like, this was a whole new playing field of there were all these new weapons, weapons. and technology. And one of them was mm-hmm. like chemical warfare. And they're exactly. all this stuff that they had never seen before. And it was a totally new terror and, and horror for them to witness. I think because I had listened to your episode with Ethan about Helm's Deep. And you guys mentioned how short it seemed for riding the whole battle like this is a massive battle there's 10,000 orcs there against the people of Helm's Deep like he could have gone into a lot of detail and it could have gone on for a very long time but part of me feels like he skips over a this is my own theory he skips over a lot of the details of the battle because he's already lived them and who who wants to relive that like I think he's content to be like and the battle happened you know like (laughs) yeah I think he I think also he it would have been much longer if he had like shown several different points of view throughout the battle, but he only focused on like, I'm just going to show you what Aragorn is doing for this battle. And we we see Aragorn from the beginning of like them keeping watch at night, then the start of the battle and then going into Hornburg and getting separated and stuff. And 
it could have been so much longer. That it's that true. is a that is a thing that I should probably be thankful for because <laughs> in the previous episode I complained that Tolkien went on for two page. It's a two page fight between or argument between Gimli and Legolas about what is prettier, caves or forests. <laughs> and I'm like, seriously, Tolkien, two pages of this. So it could have been like 50 pages of just orcs and people dying everywhere. So I should be thankful that it wasn't that. It wasn't that. (laughs) And I do like that in the movie version, like Ethan said, they, um, yeah, they cover it um, more in depth, which is, which is interesting. Yeah, because it's a lot cooler to watch than it is to read. It is. Definitely is. Let's see. So where are we in the, yeah, so the Ents start coming up. With a plan, of course, Pippin and Mary don't, they don't like exactly understand what the plan is. They could just kind of like see that like, oh, they're doing something and they're gathering up, they're putting all this water up into one source because their plan is to, we know because we've seen, we've seen Isengard flooded. So we know that they're planning to flood it, but this is, this is what they're, they're planning to do. So like, that's kind of just like going on in the background. It's just the ants are always planning and doing stuff. Yeah, I love that Treebeard is very cool under pressure. Like the other ants were, when they saw their fellow trees getting burned, they, really really freak out and i love that uh, pippa says something about you know when the ants are like truly riled he says it was staggering to see yeah. like their power and they're trying to break down or think the tower but there's some kind of wizardry in it and the stone is smooth and there's nothing for them to like really break and they're hitting it so hard that they are injuring themselves instead Treebeard realizes that's not going to work and he kind of pulls them all to the side and and is setting up this plan. So yeah, Yeah. Treebeard, he's my favorite. He's so cool (laughs) under pressure. He's like, guys, I've got a plan. So while all of this stuff is going on someone comes riding up on a horse oh my gosh and look this who is it my is. favorite line in it all. gandalf <laughs> and i'm like oh okay so that's where gandalf disappeared to randomly During uh, in the middle deep, of helm's yeah. deep <laughs> okay and he shows up to mary and pippin and <laughs> says Get up, you Tom fool of a took. And I love that. Like one of his first lines, <laughs> words to Mary and Pippin is fool of a took. Just once again, oh, it's man. back. It's so good. It's like his first interaction. And yeah, Pippin's like, tuck. did he say hello, Pippin? This is a pleasant surprise. No, indeed. <laughs> <laughs> like his yeah. immediate response is like, get up and get busy. Yeah, we got stuff to do. So he calls Treebeard over and says, I need your help. You have done much, but I need more. I have about 10,000 orcs to manage. <laughs> Just, you know, I like how he says to manage. Like To manage. I think it's an easy thing. Yeah, I mean, it's just this pesky little orc problem happening. You can see why Gandalf is never, like, Pippin can never, like, reach Gandalf's expectations because Gandalf's not even completely happy with Treebeard. He's like, you've done a lot, but there's more you can do. But you need to do a little more. Meanwhile, Pippin, like, he's never going to live up to Gandalf's expectations. I know. (laughs) If those are his expectations. (laughs) So they go off for a second and talk. And then when they come back, Treebeard says, who orns will help? And then he went away and we did not see him again until this morning. So I think it's, so then it's assumed that the creepy kind of bad in between ants are going off to fight the orcs in Helm's Deep. Yeah, because there's a bunch of 
orcs that like flee from Helm's Deep. And yeah, yeah. and that was something that I don't think I think that um, Christina and I skipped over for the Road to Isengard chapter is that it mentions in the aftermath that. While they, fa- they found a bunch of orc bodies and they were collecting them and stuff, they didn't find any orcs who were, like, hiding or running away. And it's kind of implied slash assumed that they all ran into the forest and, like, the, the trees ate them or something. took care of them, yeah. Yeah, they ate them. They, <laughs> who knows what, but they, they did something and they didn't come back. <laughs> oh, so then they flood Isengard. Is it now that they flood Isengard? Or is it later? I'll just read the whole. So Isengard began to fill up with black creeping steams and pools. They glittered in the in the last light of the moon as they spread over the plain. Every now and then the waters found their way down into some shaft or spout hole. Great white steams hissed up. Smoke rose in billows. There were explosions of gusts of explosions and gusts of fire. One great coil of vapor went whirling up, twisting round and round Orthanc until it looked like a tall peak of cloud, fiery underneath and moonlit above. And still more water poured in until at last Isengard looked like a huge flat saucepan all steaming and bubbling. So they have flooded Isengard and to, I guess, like we were talking about earlier, to wash out all of the like fire and fumes and stuff that he's, yeah, that that Saruman has pushed into the city. And this was the big cloud of smoke that we saw in the road to Isengard when they're walking up and they're like, hmm, what's that big billowing cloud of smoke? I guess Saruman's <laughs> doing steam. something. Yeah. yeah. The steam from all the fires and the vent. Yeah, it's kind of the the baptism, the washing clean of Isengard. And then this was also... So in the previous chapter, I was a little annoyed because so in the middle of the night, there's like a mysterious black smog fog that comes around everyone when they're sleeping and resting and Gandalf says wait wait just don't don't attack just wait and it'll pass and the it moves around them and it says that it goes on either side of them like they were in a narrow and they were in a narrow lane in the middle just watching the smoke on both sides and then it just passes over them and disappears and then no one ever says or learns anything about that i'm not buying this like oh the flooding and the smoke and everything is what that mist and smog was later on no i assume those are the huorns that are passing by Oh, because do you think Treebeard, after Gandalf comes and talks to Treebeard, says that because I was like, if it had been regular fog, it wouldn't have like gone around, around them. people. No, yeah. that's the Huorns because it says okay. that for we gathered that there was a great battle going on, or soon would be, and that you were in it and might never come out of it. And Huorns will help," said Treebeard. And then he went away and we did not see him again till morning. So I think that's the extra help that Gandalf was asking for um, is the Huorns. And okay, so, so they the are Huorns like travel in a magical. They do mention a couple times that they have like a, a shadow of darkness smoke. that surrounds them. And that, yeah, they wrap themselves in shadow. So it's hard to see them moving. Um, so I believe that's the Huorns who are walking by. Okay. All right. I will I will accept that explanation. Then. <laughs> that makes way more sense. Yeah, than the, the smoke. Yeah, because I, like, I was like, I was like magic there's no smoke. way that's just smoke because <laughs> it wouldn't go around them. Made zero yes. sense. Well, no, at the time it really wouldn't. You're like, what is this, Tolkien? 
and you don't find out till like the next chapter you're like oh i guess that's the who warns like yeah i guess that yeah. makes sense <laughs> so then the next day who shows up but worm tongue he rides up and kind of looks around at the wreckage and then he then he's, like, he's ready sees to run. Treebeard, and he's like, ah! <laughs> and <laughs> Treebeard took three strides, put out a long arm, and lifted him off the saddle. His horse bolted in terror, and he groveled on the ground. And he says that, I'm a messenger for Theoden. I've come to speak with Saruman. Luckily, Gandalf has thought to tell Treebeard about Wormtongue, and they know that he is a spy for Saruman and isn't actually a messenger or servant or anything yes. to say it I love the line that Treebeard says Gandalf got here first because I feel like that could be the tagline for Gandalf's entire persona <laughs> like Gandalf got here first that's yeah. just who he is he's got it covered <laughs> exactly he says that he's got a very important message Treebeard says okay sure go ahead go over to the tower and climb up he let Wormtongue go and he limped off through the arch with us close behind until he came inside the ring and could see all the floods and could see all the floods that lay between him and Orthanc. Then he turned to us. Let me go away, he whined. Let me go away. My messages are useless now. So I love that. <laughs> He's immediate. Yeah. Oh, he said. Then he says, I cannot swim. The water is not deep, said Treebeard. <laughs> so I just love that. They're like, I don't care. Like, go, go right drown on. for all we yeah. care. <laughs> I like that Pippin describes Treebeard as grimly delighted. Like, <laughs> like yeah. he's pretty happy to be like, no, no, you're getting what you deserve. Yeah. Also, he says that the water's not that deep, but there are big pits in places. So maybe just the path to from there to the well, tower isn't deep. Well, I mean, think about deep. it. Like... Know. The water isn't deep for a tree beard. Also true. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I can imagine if, like, Wormtongue had drowned or something, Mary and Pippin being like, but you said it wasn't deep. And she would be like, yeah, I said it wasn't it goes deep up to my ankles. for me. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, uh, it only goes up to my ankles. Like, that's 10 feet for you guys. Um, and eventually Wormtongue gets over to the tower. And this is where I mentioned earlier where Saruman feels like a teenager hiding away because all Treebeard sees is his hand reaching out to pull Wormtongue in. Yeah. And then this line about Wormtongue, the sight of the ruin of all that he thought so strong and magnificent must have been almost punishment enough. And that's kind of that catches us up to... To now, the Ents told, or before everyone arrived, the Ents said, told Mary and Pippin to go gather man food for everyone that would be arriving. Yes, that's my favorite, because he says, they'll be wanting man food, and you know all about that, I guess. Yeah. And it's like they're hobbits. <laughs> Do they ever? Yeah. And like, they, <laughs> that's their biggest talent. And Mary and Pippin brag that they have the better meal, because they didn't, when they asked uh, Treebeard what kind of drinks they should send, Treebeard was like, well, we have water, so I think that'll be fine. Yeah. What more could you need? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's good enough for Ents. It's good enough for you. Yeah, they have all the drinks and all the goodies. Right. In the... It says, the prize of all the flotsam. So that was... That, there there's, it is. Th there's that word. Um, is they found these barrels of pipeweed. And Mary and Pippin are like, kind of reverse if you give a mouse a cookie. Because they're like, well, I mean... Pipeweed is better after you eat food. So if we're going to 
smoke this. We should probably eat first. Exactly. <laughs> and then they eat first. And then, then they, they smoke. smoke. And then yeah. their friends found them. And yeah. then they're going to eat some more and smoke eat some again. more. You know, yeah. Because you can't leave your guests alo- eating alone. Exactly. Impolite. This is where we're kind of left with a little mystery because yes. Aragorn says that this pipe, there's no way this pipe weed should be here because it's from the Shire. Uh, the only way it could be here is if Saruman had some kind of dealings going on in the Shire. Saruman had secret dealings with someone in the Shire, I guess. Worm tongues may be found in other houses than King Theoden's. And they say that the date of the crop was from, I guess, from the previous year or the year before last, because it sounds like they just had a new year. And that's all that they talk about. So I'm like, ooh, there's a secret spy in the Shire. I bet it's the Saxville Bagginses. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, of all the evil people in the Shire, they're like the only other named hobbits we really get. Yeah. So we'll see. And that's... The end of the chapter. But I do love that Aragorn says, Ah, well, whatever evil was afoot is over now, I hope, or else it is beyond our reach at present. And so, yes, yeah, something else could be going on, but they're too far to deal with it at the moment. So yeah, not our problem. <laughs> that's just going to be somebody else's problem, the problem in the future. Problem of Saxville Bagginses, I guess. <laughs> so, do you have any stray thoughts or anything that we... Uh, skipped over or didn't get to talk about. Man, I just love this chapter. I'm sure but you I think have, we covered, so, I'm sure you have so many cool fun facts that you didn't even share. Probably, but that's okay. The audience is probably getting bored of them. No, they're so cool. No, I do love the idea that Isengard gets rebuilt. Um, I think that's a lot of fun. That in the future, it becomes the, the tree garth of Orthanc. And um, Treebeard even says in this chapter, I am master of Isengard now, which I love. Yeah. He's like oh, such claiming a cool line. it, <laughs> yeah. coming into his power. Oh, I didn't mention. So Treebeard is the oldest of all living beings in the Lord of the Rings tree. You know, seri- yes. like in all of it, the Ents are the oldest creatures, and Treebeard is the oldest Ent. And there's a quote that Tolkien said about him, and it says, "And when you speak with him, you will hear the speech of the oldest of all living things." And so I love the idea that. That's why he's not hasty. He's been around for a long time and he has seen the patterns and how things play out and he knows when it's time to step in and when to stand back. Yeah. And yeah. He knows when and when not to be hasty. Yeah. And other than losing the Entwives, they haven't made a lot of mistakes. So, you know. Yeah. <laughs> just the, just this minor Small issue one. that, that we one. don't know where half of our population went. <laughs> Which Tolkien mentions. Us. In some of his letters that he's like, no, I don't think they ever meet back up. Like he hasn't like he hadn't like written stories about them or anything. But he's like, but yeah, they don't they don't come back. Good. Good for them, I guess. And wives. They really moved on. Yeah. They were tired of men who were not hasty. They're moving a little too slow. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Well, that brings us to the end of the episode. What would you like to share with our audience? Well, uh, my husband and I, Casey, my husband, Casey, (laughs) and I, uh, we host a podcast called Hello from Elsewhere. Uh, And actually, Casey will be on your podcast next week, which is so fun. Yes, Casey is coming on for the voice of Saruman. So yeah, we're just talking tonight about how I'll be on your show, and then we'll be talking about Tolkien and names in Tolkien in our episode on Friday, and then Casey will be in your sh- on your show again the next Tuesday. So 
Yeah, that's be a very lot of Tolkien filled week. Tolkien. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so you can follow along with our podcast at um, elsewhere underscore pod on Instagram or Twitter and come give us a listen. We would love it. Yes. Also, what would you recommend to someone who already enjoys Lord of the Rings? Um, It could be a book, a TV show, a movie, um, even a band or a song or something. Um, Oh, Eni and Becca of Sincerely Us podcast um, mentioned that there is a that's a, a Lord of the Rings musical, and so I was listening to that the other day, and it's pretty great. It definitely feels more cinematic than theatrical, which is fun, and uh, a lot of the songs sound very Celtic, um, except for a few like. Well, because you and I did the chapter on Lothlorien, but there are a couple of songs about Lothlorien that are really pretty. Right. I forgot that they... Is it called Fellowship the Musical? Something, I can't remember the exact title. I'm going to need to... Man, I'm going to need to to find links to that because they. I know they brought it up to me recently because I was lamenting that there is no... I was on their podcast, Sincerely Us, for a very Potter musical. And earlier when Which I was, was so just good. starting... When I was just starting Tolkien I about, had to go I was, watch it. I, I like, was like, so... looked it up, went and watched it, and then listened to your podcast all this yes, week. <laughs> I'm just converting people over to that show. It's one of my favorite favorite things ever it's just it's so, so dumb funny. and, and I funny all the never same time. even heard of it it's so funny but anyway so they also i think it was before they did a very potter musical they did like hobbit the musical or something like at their school and okay. but there's no there's no like recording or anything of it. And I'm like that is mm. the greatest tragedy the of life yeah <laughs> That there's no, like... The Lost Hobbit show. Yeah, Lord of the Rings musical created by a low-budget... Theater kids in college, ...production yeah. <laughs> of college students. And then Beck and Eni found that and sent that to me. And I'm like, yeah, but it's not it's not the same if it's high-quality production. <laughs> but yeah, I'll have to find the exact thing that you're talking about, and I'll leave links to that. Maybe, the, I'll, I'll, maybe I'll try and cover that after... Ooh, that would be a good time to have Eni and Becca on is to cover Come the musical. Come on to your show. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> awesome. Becca, mark your calendar. It's happening. <laughs> um, so speaking of Sincerely Us and Hella from Elsewhere, that's what I'm talking about as a proud member of WB&E. You can learn all about... All of the great shows like Sincerely Us and Hello from Elsewhere by going to WB not I can't speak. WBNE.org. You can also listen to the first episode of Bagels, which just came out as we're recording this today. So here is a little bit about that show. Hello, I'm Tyler Carlin, and I love you. And I'm Emily Carlin, and I love you too. And if you love someone or you love love, you should listen to our new podcast, Bagels! We're not experts, but we sure would like to be. And we believe the best way to get better at something is to practice. So listen to our story as it unfolds as young parents. As best friends. As husband and wife. As we explore what relationships mean to us and to those around us. Bagels, available now at WBNE.org or wherever you get your podcasts. And I listened to the first episode of Bagels today, and it's really great. So you guys should all go check it out. Yeah, I've only I've only listened about halfway through, I think, before I had to stop and do something else. But yeah, Emily and Tyler are great. 
Um, so is their child. And so cute. <laughs> I'm really jealous because right now they're in Disney World. Yes. Um, for Tyler's brother's wedding. And I just, as someone who I was off for like 10 days for Christmas and New Year's. And then uh, when I went back to work, it was only for Thursday and Friday. So it didn't really even feel like I was going back to work. Mm -hmm. But now tomorrow's Monday. It's going to be the full work week. It's going to really feel like it. Not looking forward to it. And and then I'm also seeing like their Instagram posts and stories from Disney World. And I'm like, how dare you go to Disney World (laughs) when I have to go to work? The rest of us are back to real life. Uh, so I just want to go to Disney World. Anyway, the cover art is by Graphite, aka Vaishan Brandon. You can support him on Instagram at graphite.vmb. You can find the podcast on Twitter and Instagram at TolkienAboutPod. You can find me on Twitter at MCWhatsUp. That's new, M-C-W-A-T-T-S-U-P. And Instagram at MCTurnDownForWhat. The Facebook group is there for you to join and enjoy. And there's also a Patreon that I keep forgetting to publicly announce on social media. (laughs) Like every day goes by and I'm like, oh, I need to post about the Patreon. And then I forget. (laughs) But it's happening. The Patreon is patreon.com slash TolkienAboutPod. And you can get a variety of tiers, like the $5 tier, which is what this is for. So today's sponsor for this episode is Danny Wilcox. Thank you so much for supporting That's What I'm Talking About. Your support means so much to me. It really, really, truly does. I can't believe that literally anyone, I can't believe that one person, let alone like 10 people, I think, have have supported. So that's that's <laughs> amazing. You're wonderful. Thank you. <laughs> And I believe that's it on my side. Do you have any final parting thoughts for our audience? I can think of nothing because we talked about everything that I love. So I am happy. I'm a very happy camper tonight. And that's what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm.